Support for this podcast is brought to you by CultureAmp. Eliminate the guesswork of company culture with CultureAmp, the world's largest independent employee feedback platform. CultureAmp goes beyond aggregating survey results to deliver rich insights and data-driven action plans on an easy-to-use interface. With a powerful platform, science-backed surveys and a focus on customer success, CultureAmp helps you increase employee engagement and build a positive company culture. Start developing a deep understanding of your employees' experience today by visiting cultureamp.com future. That's cultureamp.com future. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 177 of the Recruiting Future podcast. What is a culture-first organisation? And how can culture be quantified and measured? As the relentless pace of change in recruiting and HR marches on, these are the sort of questions that employers might find themselves asking for the first time. To help us understand the space where culture, technology and analytics are colliding, my guest this week is Damon Klotz from CultureAmp. Damon's career has surfed the wave of HR technology growth in the last few years, and he has also helped create one of the biggest active communities in the industry. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Damon, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. Could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Hi, yeah. So my name's uh, Damon Klotz, and I work for the Australian HR technology company called Culture Amp. Fantastic. Now, um, I, I've kind of known you for, um, well, for a number of years now, and um, you, you kind of got a really interesting sort of backstory um, that's, that's taken, to you, taken you um, from the start of your career to where you are now. Could you tell everyone about your story, how you got into HR, and how you ended up in uh, Culture Amp? Yeah, so um, as a young student in Australia, I kind of did what a lot of us, you know, students do: is you pick a degree, and I picked a Bachelor of Business. Kind of went in not exactly knowing what I wanted to do, but having some vague interest in actually being a sports agent after doing some work experience in that space. Um, that wasn't really a major offered at most business schools in Australia, so I ended up actually just picking HR a little bit on a whim. But I felt like you know, maximizing human potential and understanding kind of the motivations around how people work was something that was of interest to me. Uh, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into at the, at the time, but about three weeks into my sort of, you know, first HR subject, I went up to a lecturer and I said, I'm really enjoying this subject. I'd love to kind of get some work experience to learn a little bit more about, you know, how to make this applicable. And she said, I'm going to give you two pieces of advice. One, learn how to network. And two, cut your hair, it's ridiculous. And I was like, okay, I'm willing to do one of those two things. And I kept my hair, which was down to my shoulders, and I learned how to how to network. Um, this was as simple as literally Googling networking skills and then finding a HR event in Australia to turn up to. And that's exactly what I did. And I walked away from that first ever event, um, actually with a, a contact who was looking for a HR administrator to go work in the Queensland government. And four weeks later, at the age of 19, I went up to that lecture and I said, you won't believe what happened. She goes, what? And she goes, well, I know that your hair's still intact. I'm like, I know. And I've got a, a, a job at HR. And 
from there, it's kind of just been this incredible journey of curiosity and um, taking chances. And um, I think starting my HR career in the government was actually a really fascinating place to start because you kind of learn what you can and can't do and like how bureaucracy can slow you down and industrial relations and employee relations is really important in there. So to now kind of fast forward to living in San Francisco and working for a HR tech startup, I've kind of seen both uh, both ends of the world from, you know, the incredibly large 65,000 person, you know, department and what you're trying to do to service that from a 300 person HR sort of headquarters approach all the way down to joining a company as like employee 15. So fill in the gap a little bit for us there. So how did you get from working for the Queensland government to um, working for a startup in um, San Francisco? Yeah, so I think what actually working for the government allowed me to do was it allowed me to, um, you know, like it was a a job which had requirements and, and a role, but it was a, it was a place um, of a lot of curiosity because I actually found myself in a learning and development department and I spent a lot of time thinking about facilitation and how to effectively communicate new, new skills. And at the same time, I was actually learning and um, educating myself a lot about the role of technology on the world of work, on the world of young professionals in terms of like personal branding, how to build a um, online presence, how HR could be thinking about technology. So I actually started focusing on educating other people who are interested in where I saw technology going in terms of the impact on the HR world. Uh, this started internally at this government department where I was running training sessions on this. It became some of my core projects where I was doing, you know, whole of department kind of work as a HR graduate at the age of 21. Uh, from there, I actually started doing a lot of speaking and consulting in Australia um, about the role of HR technology. And then before I knew it, it wasn't just HR departments or companies who were coming and asking about my um, opinion on this. I was doing kind of whole of company digital transformation projects. And I actually had a chance to go work in-house um, for one of the largest private healthcare groups in the world and um, become the global head of digital strategy. And that was an incredible o opportunity to really drive something home and, you know, do a project over three or four years that was, you know, really transforming this um, publicly traded company's relationship to emerging technology. And I think it helped me put a lot of runs on, on the board and validate a lot of the ideas that I had. And um, after being there for about three years, um, I soon realized that I was probably in the highest role I was ever going to have at that company. They weren't going to let me do surgery or run the hospital anytime soon. So I started thinking about what are some of the other things that were it, interesting to me and um the idea of actually going to work for a hr tech vendor and kind of impacting where that like where, where the space was going because when i started talking about this about 10 years ago you know there really wasn't a lot of technology and there wasn't like there was a little bit of stuff happening but compared to like where we're at now and just the sea of vendors and the like the amount of technology that's being used in the workplace like i i couldn't have imagined how far it's come so i think i was always fascinated by this space it just um a little bit of navigating to finally get here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you know, I think you're right. The last um, the last ten years has been incredible, and I'm not sure any of us could have quite predicted 
um, just how much technology um, there would be. I think we could probably predict how much change there would be, but perhaps not how not how much um, technology is sort of uh, launched and um, is available to sort of HR and um, recruiting practitioners. So what was it like? Because I, I always think this is interesting because I know a number of people who've made a similar move. Um, what's it like going from being a practitioner to actually working for a vendor? I think similar to yourself, I've met a lot of people who've made this switch and maybe you know, back in the day, there would have been a little bit of animosity in terms of like selling out and going to work for, on, on that side. But I think most of us would probably agree that there's a really interesting relationship between the talent function, so both HR and recruiting and the role of technology where, you know, we're here to support each other and we're here to improve the, the employee experience. So I um, am completely fine with that decision. I think one of the things that I was able to bring to the table when I joined CultureAmp was actually uh, drive a project that was I was really passionate about from the start of my career if you know if you recall my kind of early experience into actually breaking through in, into the industry was through an event where I was able to go meet practitioners um, what I didn't tell you was that like I was so desperate to go meet HR practitioners that I ended up going to an in, you know industry relations meetup when they were talking about employment law, because I just wanted to kind of like really see what this all meant. Uh, it wasn't that fascinating. It wasn't my favorite part of HR, but it gave me a chance to meet people. When when I joined Culture what I was able to do was bring my practitioner angle and my passion for connecting people through community to actually build out one of the largest communities of HR practitioners in the world. And um, it's what we call our People Geeks community. And, you know, a People Geeks is anyone... Um, within the talent function or within any part of, of the business who is passionate about the relationship between the role of you know employee experience and building that and using technology and data to actually improve that and to be able to kind of you know just look at the first 100 logos that Coltrane was working with and said if I could get five of these companies in a room and five people who are willing to learn we could really create some magic and um, it's been an incredible journey to kind of build out what's now over you know, 50,000 people globally um, with hundreds of events around the world, an online community with people from all, all parts of the world learning and sharing. And I feel like, you know, that's going to be one of the biggest le- legacies I'll, I'll be able to leave, not only just for Culture Amp, but also uh, for the HR communities around the world for, uh, you know, that maybe that there's a 19-year-old student and she's on the other side of the world and, and she wants to know where the future of HR is going. And I hope that she can find this community and, and be connected to people and kind of keep that passion going i'm familiar with the the you know the community that you've that, that, you, that you've that you've built and uh you know you've done some done some great work there and the community's done some great work in sort of you know moving itself forward um what have sort of been the the best things that have happened in in your opinion that have come out of that community yeah so just to kind of make it real for people who aren't familiar so you know i wanted to make a place both online and offline that was accessible to everyone so Online, we've got um, you know educational content in the form of our People Geek, uh, People Geekly newsletter, uh, which goes out every single week, and that's actually curated by the team inside of Culture Amp, where we're looking at the articles that we're reading and then sort of summarising them. Uh, we have an online Slack community of over five thousand people being able to share ideas with each other. Uh, we have a forum where there's kind of Q and A and a place to kind of ask you know questions that can sort of live and become a body of resource as well as even a job board for people to go find other people gigs that they're looking to hire. So, you know, helping people um, with find new information and get new jobs is obviously quite impactful. Um, 
I think the, the story that really resonates the most with me was uh, I was down in Los Angeles and visiting some of our customers there. And, you know, uh, Coltrane works with a variety of customers from the, the small, you know, startups they've never heard of to, you know, 100,000 plus retailers. And this company was about 300 people. They had a three-person HR team. And I was just kind of, you know, checking in with them and seeing how it was all going. And they turned to me and they kind of said, look, what CultureAmp and the community that you built has given us is it's made it feel like that we're a four-person HR team and that you're and that you're the fourth member. And I was like, wow, like, you know, to actually feel like you're providing enough value and inspiration and content where someone feels like they've added a whole headcount to their HR team and that they're tapped into something bigger, I think to me is incredibly moving because I know that there's so many practitioners in, in the talent space who are looking for validation, looking for more budget, looking for more buy-in and to feel like that before they've even got there for that next headcount, that they've already got access to someone who's, you know, being able to sort of fill uh, that opportunity for them and inspire them um, is one of the most impactful stories that, that I've heard today. So moving from community to culture, culture is obviously a, a big part of, of what you do. What do you actually mean by culture? Yeah, so the, obviously I think, you know, a lot of people will have a different definition of it and you know, culture is in our name, but you know, it's not the only thing that we measure. You know, we are a platform that helps you understand your people and culture through feedback. But I think what we've been able to do is, however you define it, you know, within your company, what we're able to do is actually prove to the moments that matter and a real measurement on some of those things that used to be hard. So I think one of the best ways that I sort of describe it is thinking about when you say your external brand, you're talking about like how you how you communicate to the market and that, that sort of that vision that you're trying to create. But to really build upon that external brand, it needs to be delivered by people. And that's kind of where that connection between like brand is a promise to a customer and then culture is how you deliver on that promise. So at the end of the day, like, you know, it's people that make decisions, that's people that create products, it's people have to deliver on that. So the way we think about it is like culture is not soft and fluffy. Like this is built for purpose. This is something you need to, you know, manage and have true communication on and measure. So you can actually say that like, are we the type of company that's going to deliver on the promise that we've made to the market? And that really comes down to the people that you have. So, you know, I think a lot of the customers and the idea of putting culture first is when you look at the customers that, you know, work with CultureAmp, they're like industry leading. They're the ones that you've already heard the stories about, like what they're doing with their employee experience to drive better business performance. So, I kind of see it as, you know, the couple of thousand companies that we've been able to work with are already ahead of the curve. I think it's up to the rest of the world to kind of catch up. And so you kind of mentioned that there are, you know, maybe a number of different definitions of culture and certainly lots of different ways of measuring it. From what you've seen working with those uh, 2000 companies, what, what what are the common measurements? What, um, uh, you know, if, if uh, um, someone's working in a company and they want to start 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 measuring how they're doing, what, you know, what, what should they be looking at? Yeah, so I think... What we're able to do is looking at the entire employee experience and asking whether you're actually collecting pieces of feedback along the way that will help you uh, sort of curate and uh, constantly evolve and, and ultimately take action on the feedback that you're getting. So if someone was to look at their entire employee experience, they could be capturing feedback around the candidate experience. So does your external employer brand actually then make it all the way through to the candidate experience and is that resonating with candidates then on onto the onboarding process where there's kind of like 
automatic pushes for feedback at all the milestones that you're trying to create. So maybe it's like a day five, day 30, day 90. Um, then we start going into sort of the moments in time to so measuring things like employee engagement, diversity and inclusion, benefits, well-being, uh, all the way through to manager feedback, leadership feedback, individual, you know, performance in 360s and then through to exit. So basically you're able to kind of dive in and go like, what are we working on right now? What are the key projects? What's the feedback that we're getting based on the work that we're doing that helps you understand, are your employees ready for a merger and acquisition? Uh, you know, what's that going to mean when you bring two cultures together? How ready for change are they um, if you're looking to do a business transformation If in terms of, uh, you know, you can look at the questions that we ask around innovation and whether you think the company takes action on innovative ideas. If sentiment around that is really low, and you're, you know, you're about to go through a business transformation, like that's an indicator that says we're maybe not ready for this and we actually need to better communicate with our employees what we're doing if there's any chance of this project being successful. So I think um, looking at all the questions and the things that you know people can be asking and, and mapping it to the actual business issues that people are facing right now um, is an incredibly powerful way of just how some of the companies have been utilizing um, platforms like ours. And what does it mean to be a culture first company? Yeah, so this is kind of one of the legacies our CEO Didier Elzinga wants to leave and you know we want to lead from the front. Basically, um, we know that like putting culture first can be difficult, you know, when things like, um, you know, sales numbers aren't being hit or employee retention is low, the idea of investing in your people and culture might be a, a hard thing. The way that we think about it is like putting culture first, like literally means putting culture first and saying that it's the reason why you win, not something you do to celebrate after you've won. So actually connecting it to what is the type of experience that you're trying to create for employees? How is the culture that you're creating actually helping people do better in their work? Are you creating an environment where people feel like they belong? We've done a lot of research around the idea of something like belonging, which might sound a little bit you know, soft and fluffy, but the link between employee retention in the first six months and the feeling of someone belonging uh, is incredible. We've done a lot of work with predictive analytics to make people feel like, you know, uh, to show that the if people can feel like they belong, not only are they more likely to kind of stay with the company, it also means that they're more likely to grow and, and develop into the talent that you originally hired them to be. So I think the idea of like starting with culture is, is the first part of the conversation and then looking at everything else you're trying to create as opposed to, which I think a lot of companies have done for a long time, is it's the thing that gets talked about at the end. Um, I think uh, you know, some of our customers are putting it in, you know, their culture metrics in their board decks, which I think is a really great way to show that, like, the reasons why we're hitting these numbers are because of these following metrics. And I think that's um, an incredibly powerful way of being able to sort of throw those linkages together. So final question. Um, we've, we've talked about the sort of the explosion of technologies over the last decade or so. Um, what, what's your view on the future? Where, what do you think is going to happen next? Where, where are we going sort of particularly with uh, technology and HR? Yeah, it's a great question. Like if you, if you walk around any of the major tech conferences in Europe or in the US or even Australia, you are inundated by things that look the same, sound the same, uh, that are giving away the same swag, that have the same positioning. It's such a confusing time to be a, um, a buyer in the talent space. I think one of the places where it needs to go is, you know, if it's confusing for the HR buyer, what does that actually mean for the end user, which is your employees? Do they know where to go to find the right information? Do they know how to best utilize these platforms? 
Um, I think we've come a, you know, we've still got, we've got a, a long way to go. When I think about some of the multi-million dollar, multi-year projects just to implement one piece of HR software that when the employee logs into it, and I've seen this firsthand, they go, it still doesn't tell me anything I already know. So I think we really need to think about like what is the core reason that we're actually implementing this technology and do your employees know how they can actually improve or do something with it? Because at the end of the day, if we're just you know implementing technology for our own sake, then I think we're kind of losing track of the impact of it. So I think for me, where I want to see it going is as an individual employee who doesn't even care about HR technology, can I log into these systems and get value from them? And will it like help me actually do my job better? And I think that's one of the core reasons why I've been so proud to work for Coltramp is like the impact that our um, software has on improving employee experience and improving individuals' chance to develop and grow and actually have their voice heard is um you know it means a lot to me because work really matters and if we're not in a place that actually invests in our experience and wants to develop us and hear our voice then you know that's not the kind of place that i want to work at damon thank you very much for talking to me no worries thanks for having me my thanks to damon klotz you can subscribe to this podcast in apple podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.